0: Hey everyone. Hello. Welcome once again to the JCN podcast show. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And we're here today to talk to you about all things. fungus. Fungal. Yeah. <laughs> Candida. <laughs> all things yeast overgrowth. Because we realised we've uh, chatted, well, about a lot of things to do with mm. the gut. A lot of things. But there's a lot of talk more about bacteria. I think bacteria is a little bit more. Um, Popular, popular
1: and a little bit moment, more yeah. sort of cool. I sort of feel like SIBO's become the um, 21st century Candida. Like, yeah. yeah. bacteria has become, you know, like yeah, yeah. all through like the, you know, the 1900s. So everyone was all Candida, Candida <laughs> focused. Now
0: it's like, can the 90s? Or uh, the 1900s. Oh, I
1: guess.
0: I yeah, guess I like because you you they've
1: been talking about Candida since yeah. what, well, the 60s and 70s? Yeah, probably yeah. even
0: longer, but yeah. yeah, no.
1: But probably more the 90s. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. I was just going centuries. No, <laughs> It's <laughs> not the question. candida's like the ninety. I wonder what was the thing of the buddy eighteen hundreds then?
0: Oh like the black vi- plague yeah, viruses. viruses. Although bacteria probably too because yeah. you know, if you think back to before antibiotics and yeah, so true. forth. Yeah. I oh, know, I instantly just thought of all those T V shows you see mm. where the viruses just, come through yeah, and like just, just wipe, wipe out.
1: out. I reckon yeah. viruses uh, some sort of weird virus is gonna be the next big thing, like do you think? Like, I just think viruses have so much potential to just yeah. wipe out populations of
0: people. <laughs> I
1: mean, so, this is up. what I think about <laughs> in my spare time. I'm like, if I was worried about, terror, I shouldn't say this, but terrorist attacks, I'm like, you need to be worried no, about I, freaking, I freaking I do viruses. Agree. I think
0: viruses are probably going to be, I mean, yeah, viruses and you got to wonder about bacteria, yeah, though, their yeah. ability to just adapt to adapt.
1: Like everything so that we've
0: smart. done from an Look, antibacterial point. we started with you, you <laughs> and we are on bacteria straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be fungal. Yes, I watched. Um, oh man, we're deviating, but um, oh, I think it was called Alien a- Alienation. I oh, know it's a movie on Netflix. Alienation.
1: Uh, no, no, it's
0: like I can't remember the name of it properly. But there'll be someone listening, or a few people will it'll probably be like. like oh, yeah, it was this movie, yeah. but it's got Natalie Portman in it.
1: Ah, anyway,
0: I love her. It's um, it's pu- it's about that concept of where something has come and landed on the Earth from outer space, as yeah. such, but. But basically all it's doing is morphing DNA and it's not like it's evil or anything. It's just that's what it does and it comes in and it basically makes... They talk about it being like a prism so that DNA, any DNA can morph. So basically like plants uh, and um, the ocean and so forth like the, it's like there's these, it's so trippy like I'm next so to the ocean there's these trees growing out of salt yeah. crystals and then human beings are growing into plants and
1: Whoa. it's crazy yeah, but it's right. such a cool concept yeah it is a cool concept yeah I love all that kind of stuff because yeah. I just think I think like there's a lot of like even futuristic movies that are just so far-fetched it's freaking ridiculous but then there's some you watch and you're like that's actually yep. not that far-fetched I know even though was it? um What was it? Was it Contagion? Contagion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch that? Yeah, ages ago. Like, anything. I just watched that, and I was just like, "That's that's just a reality at yeah. the moment that something like that could happen. Like, that's not even yeah. in the future. Like, yeah. that's just absolute reality." <gasps> anyway, doomsday, doomsday. Don't worry about chemical warfare. Folks. Don't worry
0: about your, your candida overgrowth. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, anyway, we're talking about candida.
0: Yeah, we wanted to cover it because it's something that we deal with all the time in the clinic. Yeah, um, but we just feel like there's not a lot of talk about it, or yeah. it's kind of brushed over. It's
1: kind of brushed over, and it is. It is. It's important, and it's definitely yep. worth talking about. And yeah, again, I think we'll throw our spin on it and how important it is, but how. Um not important. Sometimes it can be in the context of things if yeah. that's the right way to say it, depending on where you're at. So, yeah,
0: definitely. Um, well, I guess in regards to <laughs> what it actually is, I mean, when we're talking about, <laughs> we're going to talk about different. Are you laughing at the strains? Uh, yeah, yeah already. <laughs> we're laughing because we know we're going to just have awesome time pronouncing all some of that. Well, some of the major strains, but when we're talking about shotgun, yeast over- <laughs> got <Oops>. the rest. <laughs> what we're talking about is a yeast overgrowth in the body. So, yeah. yeast do live and reside in our body, that's really yeah. important to realize. It's the same as the bacteria, yeah. the yeast do live in our body, that's fine, they're hanging out there doing their thing, but yeah. they're very Opportunistic. So yep. if there's changes in bacterial environments, so particularly pH variations, yep. they will thrive. They will yep. be like, woohoo, this is awesome, yep. you're feeding us all the right things, and this environment's perfect, and they will, will grow thrive. in numbers.
1: Yeah, so yeah, opportunistic is probably the best way to describe it, because mm. I think... I think we need to really just highlight too what Jess just said there is that they are part of the he- a healthy mm. human host. It's uh-huh. just they – like bacteria, they can just become unhealthy given uh-huh. the opportunity or yeah. unhealthy in numbers given the opportunity. Yeah. So it's not about having no yeast in your body or no yeah. candida. It's about the same with what we've said about parasites and uh-huh. bacteria. It's just about keeping it in check.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I actually always make a point when I'm writing out goals for clients around yeah. – yeast and probably the other stuff to a point too, but instead of writing a goal to like eradicate I yeast just say or something, reduce. so it's like reduce, yeah, we I'm, will reduce your yeast. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's what I say actually, yeah, I don't say like kill, die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Yeah.
0: But I do think of it as opportunistic, I just yeah, think, oh, it's, I mean a lot of the bacteria strains are too, but yeah. essentially I think... Yeast is very much along that yeah, pathway. Yeah, I
1: think I think if we had to if we had to say what was more opportunistic, bacteria or yeast, like that's a pretty yep. broad thing to say, but I would have to say I think yep. that yeast is definitely yep. more like, and it's like in terms of. I suppose systemic destruction. Mm. I feel like it's worse. Destruction. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I'm definitely on like the whole like viruses, chemical warfare, destruction. <laughs> so I feel like yeast is probably more systemically yep. detrimental. Yes, I agree. It's um, it definitely has the um, ability to just not just sit in one sort of area and take over that. It can yeah, like oh, same as bacteria, but you know, like yeast can get into your organs and, mm-hmm. you know, fil filter, filter through cells and mm-hmm. it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty um crazy what it can do.
0: Yeah, and it's um I don't know whether you'd say it's again, you gotta take it with a grain of salt, but it definitely in some aspects can be harder. To get rid of yeah, and certain so, types of yeah. bacteria, And he's yeah. very, very resilient. Very
1: resilient. Yeah. Um, I, I, back to my death, my death theme mm-hmm. for the day. Um, so the, I think we might have talked about this on another one, but they've even done studies like autopsies of people with candida or yeast mm-hmm. overgrowth, like really mm-hmm. strong presentations of it that have eventually, you know, passed away for whatever reason. But they've found like yeast and you know species of candida and the more prevalent ones, which Jess is going to pronounce. With also, <laughs> <laughs> living in people's organs like like to the point where you can actually physically you, you know, visually cut an organ open and see the yeast
0: <laughs> freak everyone
1: out I know, it's gross, say eh? it's kind of cool though but yeah i know i shouldn't tell people that story because then everyone will be like oh we've got to get rid of it all that's probably me just you know yeah. <laughs>
0: it's not mind. usually that intense
1: <laughs> but just that's to give you an idea of what it can do all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, <laughs> so we're going to talk about common types.
1: Albicans. <laughs> <laughs> Shotgun.
0: Candida albicans is probably the one that people are most familiar with, yeah, right?
1: The one that we most commonly see when we do testing and yeah. the one that's probably most commonly talked about. I think yeah. it's probably up, accounts up to about 50%, I think, yeah. at the moment Yeah, of worldwide. Candidate. The
0: other one that we were joking about, I <laughs> know that I see a lot, is a para. I
1: say parapopolis and I'm not budging and I don't care that there's S's in there, they're freaking silent,
0: alright? And And it's Greek. As I said before... Often, when I'm talking to a client, I call it para for yeah, short yeah. because no one needs to hear you sort of going, P-ha.
1: it's I was- just a weird word. Like, that's why I'm just like, if you want to say I'm really smart, I'm like, parapopolis, and it originated in Greece, <laughs> which is a total load of crap for anyone listening. Uh, crucii, um,
0: do you say crucii? I say crucii. Oh, of yeah, course. yeah, of course, of course we're be different. different.
1: Tropicalis, uh, I think that one's pretty, that kind of makes me like, think. Uh, more- um, glabrata, yeah. Yeah. Um, tropicalis makes me think of yeast sitting on a beach with a bloody umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> Just got this picture of this, like, this little blob line on its beach. <laughs> it's the first thing that came to mind when I saw that word sitting
0: on its, like, sugary pina colada.
1: Sitting in a donut. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tropical strain
0: <laughs> never will anyone forget that one oh,
1: exactly yeah
0: look there's so many other species and 150, so forth yeah 150,
1: but it's, these are these are our top ones
0: yep yeah, they yeah. are definitely yeah. um and they're ones that we see a lot of and i think with <laughs> testing which we'll talk a little bit about um yeah you'll often not just see one you'll see a couple of them yeah. popping up don't you yeah mm. So, I guess um, moving into what actually happens when you mm. get an overgrowth, yeah. so what sort of symptoms that we're expecting to see yeah. um, versus, I guess, what's going on in the body, too, yeah. because there's so many different factors. Yeah. Mm. So,
1: apart from infiltrating every organ, <laughs> putting you to a slow, painful, horrible death... <laughs> It doesn't do. I've got to stop this. <laughs> it's all the rain and doom and gloom It's messing with me. Okay, so yeast has got some cap- like some capabilities in the body. I <laughs> just like shut up, Chris. <laughs> yeast has got some capabilities. So biofilm is one of them. So obviously we've talked about biofilm with bacteria. Mm-hmm. So biofilm is when they start to colonize. I wish everyone's going to be able to see my little hand actions here. You can't. Just gets the glory of that. So they start to colonize in their little groups. And as these colonies become like more stronger and, I guess, resilient, they start to put up these little protein matrices called biofilm. Mm-hmm. So I think when we've done the SIBO podcast, you would have heard us talk about that. But for anyone new that's listening... Um, the biofilm. Just think of that movie Under the Dome or that TV series Under the Dome. Have well, you seen? I haven't seen or that. Or like even the Truman Show. They've got that big glass dome. Oh, that's yeah. a good analogy. Yeah, that's yep, yep. Us and our analogy. That's how I explain biofilms to my to my yep. clients. So think of all the little people underneath there as the yeast, <laughs> and then the dome is the is the biofilm matrix that they put I up. I often
0: think too, like when you're you get like something funky, like I don't know, like food and so forth, that is going a bit manky in your fridge and you can like see that it's got that sort of coating over the top of it. Yeah. I don't know whether that is the actually film. the biofilm growing over the top and you can see that it was always what I imagined in I my think I think
1: I think I get that in the bottom of my teacup. Because oh. <laughs> sometimes I forget on a Saturday to take it to the sink and I come in on a Wednesday and I pull the tea leaves out at the top from the strand and I look in the bottom at the little tea remnants and there's like these – like fungal-looking little blobs, but they've got a clear thing. top of And I'm like, you guys have colonised and created a biofilm. Good on ya! <laughs> <laughs> About to tip you down the sink and pour hot water on you. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> but, but that's essentially what yeast can do. So you can yeah. imagine why as they, over, <laughs> as they overgrow and, you know, get into numbers where it starts to become, I suppose, impact to a stage where it would impact your health they start putting up these biofilms which then obviously makes them harder to deal with yeah um from a treatment point of view
0: so essentially yeah you're basically as you were just saying like any whether it's bacteria or yeast as soon as they Mm. get that biofilm structure happening it does make it harder to get in and essentially bring those numbers down. Yeah. But we do have little tricks that we can we do, do there. We definitely do. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, another thing that yeast are pretty um famous for. Mm-hmm. Famous for is is it, uh, do, you, do we say this word the same? Do you say hyphae? Yep,
0: yeah, I do. Yep. Yes.
1: Yep. <laughs> 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 so first for Carissa and Jess, every on a word, um, is hyphae. So hyphae is more like just think of, I'm trying to think of an analogy for this. Like when you think of like a tree root. So when you mm-hmm. see something and you see those fast forwarded versions of a seed shooting roots down into the ground, you know, mm-hmm. when you see that and it goes through all the dirt and everything like that, past mm-hmm. all the worms and blah, blah, Think of hyphae like that. They're kind of like roots of candida. Mm-hmm. So where they're sort of sitting, whether it be up against an organ or a cell wall or something like that, mm-hmm. they have the ability to put out these root-like mm-hmm. Like structures where they actually can lock themselves in Look at my hand actually. i know <laughs> <laughs> little claws. my little claws but just kind of picture like that they're not just something that sit on the surface and attach yeah it's more like they definitely have the ability to shoot roots and yep. implant themselves almost
0: and again the hyphae it's like a biofilm isn't it it's yep. just they have developing tactics just to yeah. make them more resilient. <laughs> and, of course, you know, they're really excited. They want to populate and stay yeah. around in their numbers and hang out in their Yeah,
1: so don't be hangry. On the beach. Yeah. Think about the digestive tract every time a bit of fluid comes through, not, the tide <laughs> comes one the in, one of the waves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so basically they're going to be doing what they can. And yeast, I think, you know, again, I don't know whether we you don't want to just say, yes, it's definitely like this for yeast, it's definitely like this for bacteria. But you can see how they have, tend to have a few more, I think, a few more little um, tools, tools in of their, the trade, in yeah. their um, toolbox I, yeah. to help them a little <clears throat> bit more just to stick around yeah. and become more of a pain in the butt. More, literally. <laughs> literally, <laughs> for and other people. orifices. <laughs>
1: <For> some people. <laughs> So so that's kind of the two main things that you hear about. And then there was another one when I was just doing a little bit of pre reading this morning, yep. but it was um, they can secrete like um an enzyme like phospholipases. Is which, that
0: the same as your lipopolysaccharides? I think so. Yeah. Like
1: when I was reading like it sounds exactly like the same mechanism. Yep, yep. So they basically can, you know, get into cells using that. Yep. So break down like sort of fatty acid structures and infiltrate cells and all that kind of jazz, which kind of really makes them sound pretty evil. But yep. I uh, think it's yeah.
0: That's different to look for polysaccharides. Mm. That being more of like a toxin. That's oh, released. you're thinking uh, ah, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I think this is more like an enzyme. I only had a quick read over, but I thought we probably should mention it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, I noticed too um, on your lovely notes here that you were pointing out oh, that yes. some of these different strains that we just talked about tend to do different things in regards mm-hmm. to their resilience. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. in regards to the <laughs> tropicalis <laughs> that you've got down that there is the biofilm and the hyphae as so well. Then, so you can see that there's two elements that it's tending to, to hold use. on to and use to mm-hmm. become again more resilient to use that yeah. word. so And
1: um, candida albicans is the hyphae and more the phospholipase. So they're not – which is strange because I think we always just talk like group yeast and be like, well, when they all produce biofilm they all produce hyphae. And it's not saying that they don't. It's just yeah. that now that they can get really get in and research these strains, that there are strains that are more – that do more of one type of thing. So the – the good old pina colada drinking tropicalis, mm-hmm. that's like definitely doing the biofilm and the hyphae, as Jess yeah. said. Yeah. But the albicans is more the hyphae and the um, phospholipase enzyme excretion. Mm-hmm. The parapopolis. I didn't really find much about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I noticed that when he left, I'm like, what
1: does he do? The crusae, eye, <laughs> is more of the biofilm, which is interesting. So when we do stool testing and things like that, it's interesting to even just sort of look at, you know, if we were looking at different strains of use that people had, certain ones you would look look really hitting at targeting that biofilm matrix, or it's other ones you uh, probably look at more yeah. trying to dislodge them. Yes, rights.
0: like besides the fact that we think it's nerdy interesting, there's a reason for it, isn't there? Like yeah. if we know that there's a certain type of overgrowth and yeah. it has definitely been correlated with biofilm, that's going to affect how we treat it as opposed yeah. to if it not you know the biofilm yeah. isn't so much of a factor yeah. so that's that's where it really does come into its own as the far individuality as individuality of yeast yeah that's where it's really good to know <laughs> so signs and symptoms in regards to yeast overgrowth I mean there's the classic stuff that people like when they'll come in and they know and they'll they'll actually tell you they've got candida so it's that classic itching that people get whether it's vaginal itching discharge Mm. the smell to the discharge as well and 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 color changes happening that's probably the most Common one, but so then, thrush. So yeah, essentially, yeah, thrush, thrush, but yes. you can
1: get and you can get oral thrush as you well. Can, so, yep. some people like you know, you'll not that we do this that often, but mm-hmm. I think it's a useful tool that like, you like get people to stick their tongues out. And people have got that thick white yep. coating on their tongue. I find
0: that again, people know like they'll yeah. they'll tell you, like it's, it's you know, you can be like, answer. Oh, but do I have it? like you know, if it's like an average coating yeah. opposed to like an actual oral like thrush, shitting, like it's intense
1: because I know, like, I've even had some clients say that they'll shed like their um gum line it's almost like there's mm. that much bacteria happening yep. in their mouth yep. that, you know, it's just, yeah, it's like they're pulling out, it's gross, but chunks
0: of yeah. Like skin. Yeah, and, it's horrible. It's
1: you know, horrible. It's gross.
0: But yeah. <laughs> um, and even like around like the anus area as well, mm. like it can, which is just horrible for women. Like it can, I say, well, yeah, women more so because it's kind of going through that whole area yeah. and everything just gets so itchy. Yeah. And inflamed Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Definitely. But as far as, like, that's the obvious stuff, right? right. But it doesn't mean, does it, that someone comes in and they don't have, like, if you ask them about their history and they're like, oh, no, I've never had thrush, I've never had oral thrush, I don't get any itching, it does not mean that they don't have a yeast overgrowth occurring. It just
1: means it hasn't really localised to those areas.
0: Yeah, exactly. So some of the other... And this is where it's a little tricky, right, for people to differentiate. So then there can be uh, digestive symptoms mm. um, and basically they are very much the same as a lot of the other stuff that yep. we talk about in regards to the bloating, the bowel irregularities, yep. um, the gas production that tends to happen Definitely, then, too, it comes down to, like, are we talking about yeast primarily in the lower bowel? Are we dealing with it um, getting to the small intestinal tract as well, which is more of that CFO scenario? And then that can come back again. We talked about bloating, right? So, you know, is it happening very quickly after eating as opposed to later in the day? So that's just telling us how quickly that bloating occurs in relation to where the yeast are hanging out in in larger populations. So there's all of those common digestive symptoms. Do you feel like there's any particular digestive symptoms that make you think, I reckon this is more of a yeast thing than a bacterial thing? So
1: I honestly think I – Find it's more when you case taking and some of the foods and things that uh, people react to. I just dribbled. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> We're all classier. Um, um, so I, for example, I sometimes find when it's people that will say to me, I just react so strongly to sugar, or yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's more. I, yeah, I right. think it's more that I think di- the digestive symptoms on their own. And I know that you'll agree with this. Is they're just it can be yeast, it can be. Um, yeah. bacteria it's just it, it, there's, they're very very similar and I yeah. find it's pretty hard to pick you, like you could suspect but mm. with, you wouldn't know 100% without doing a stool test if, yeah. if you were bang on the money but people who say like you know I have like if I react really strongly to sugar and the more sugar I have the more like I crave sugar I yeah. find that you're kind of like feeding the yeast and they're kind of like give me more give yeah, me yeah, more yeah yeah so true um, people who have beer and just get really bloated really quick yeah. I find is a mm-hmm. big one I'm like anyone that's very like Yeasty, I find, doesn't tolerate like beer or ciders yeah. and all of those. I know that, again, that can overlap to bacteria, yeah. I can a bit. But yeah. there's a few kind of, I think, when you've been doing like um, case-taking for years, as we have been, you just mm. kind of start to see that there's a... And then when you correlate that with the store results that we see, yeah. you do definitely start to see a few patterns and yeah, with people that are more yeasty versus people that are more bacterially yeah. driven.
0: Yeah, and that's why I asked because I was curious to see if you had anything, because I I agree. I think digestively, purely if you're just to talk about digestion, there's no major differentiation, but it's more about the systemic view, isn't it? It's like, okay, how's this person reacting to food? Yeah. What sort of cravings are they getting? And then the other thing which we're going to touch on is more of those um, systemic symptoms. So the classic brain fog um for me is one of the big ones yeah, i think it's huge. like that cloudy sort of memory and yeah. cloudy sort of heavy just feeling. kind of like they're in a daze like, like, horrible yeah, horrible like just can't feeling.
1: think can't process their thoughts as clear yeah. um and then um another one that comes up a lot is other skin conditions yeah so because you've got true, to, true. we've got to think about our internal skin like mm. our you know our di- digestive tract and all of that like just it's a mirror image our our external skin is a mirror image of that Mm. not a mirror mirror image because otherwise that'd be pretty gross (laughs) you'd have have yeast drinking cocktails on the outside of your body (laughs) but but if you've got a lot of stuff going on internally Mm. it's going to manifest externally so people who get that are really prone to that there's that fungal skin rash that you can get ringworms Mm -hmm. are another one i find Mm -hmm. people that have ringworms like come into contact with ringworms and mm. really struggle to clear them despite mm. using, you know, the antifungal treatments. Yeah. Even to a point like ath- recurrent athlete's foot, um, yeah. I- itchy ears. Yep.
0: Um, so one cold off the top of my head, I think it's called pityriasis. It's like a yeast... Like an, it can grow all over the outside of the body. Maybe that's, too. What, that's
1: what I'm thinking. I think yeah. that might be the one I'm thinking. I don't know what the yeah. name of it is, but I know when I was in high school, like a boyfriend of mine had it. Yeah. And he'd get it, thank God. Uh. But when he would go out in the sun, it would flare and yeah. it was just like these patches on yeah, I reckon that's it. I think yeah. so. Sure it's a a girlfriend yeah. of mine has it. But, and it's weird. Like, I think. I look at the people that have never cleared it. Like I've got a few friends Mm. that have had it over the years and some of them have never cleared, but they're the ones that have have a lot of sugar in their diet and it's just like, well, you're kind of just feeding it and no amount of antibiotics they take budges it like.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of those more systemic signs, like if without any form of testing, it tends yeah. to be that overall case. It tends mm. to go, oh, this is looking like a sort of, of a yeast types issue. of
1: dermatitis and stuff that aren't yeah. psoriasis and aren't eczema. Like yeah. I feel like there's a lot of dermatitis style issues that I really just think when you mm. go through, when, again, it comes down to case taking and just what you start mm. to see happen in front of you over mm. years of practising. But mm. you start to see a lot of people with like, um, dermatitis on their hands, even if their hands are in water a lot or things yeah. like that, there'll be, there'll be people when you go through their sensitivities to sugar or wine or beer mm. and, and you know, then you might even do a stool test with them and mm. then quite often so much of that is like, well, I think a lot of that's because internally there's so much yeast
0: overgrowth. Mm. Externally, it's just, it's just manifesting yeah. and, and we're yeah, seeing it. Sure. So. I think the other thing that kind of probably leads on to some of these other topics is also conditions that have been treated but – it, you're, they're not budging properly and maybe they've been treated more from a bacterial point mm. of view so for me a classic one might be SIBO so mm. if you've been if you've treated for SIBO and you have tested positive for SIBO but the, and there could be other things going on yeah but yeah. there may be a, a really strong yeast overgrowth that's underlying that and yeah. you're treating the SIBO and the the diet um, is working for the SIBO or maybe there's um, the dysbiosis in the low bowel that's being treated, but there may be some really high prevalence of yeast overgrowth and mm. that's just not being treated specifically. Yeah. So, and again, you're treating it to a point with those mm. types of protocols, but often it's as cool. we know, there's there's different things that you would do.
1: Mucus is another
0: one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I wrote that down somewhere but I forgot about it. Oh, an immunity. yeah yeah so but yeah exactly what just saying like things that yeah just like you're treating other things but there's a few underlying symptoms that just aren't going yeah yeah and there's some real telltale ones with yeast yeah definitely
0: but even the digestive stuff i would say like if you're treating someone by the book for something that is bacterial and you're like why isn't this going Mm -hmm. anywhere like like i think you need to start thinking about other things and yeah there could be lots of other things but i think you need to one of the first things is, like, is this fungal? Yeah. Like, do I need to start thinking about this as a fungal factor? Yeah, fungal. fungal factor. Hashtag. I like, <laughs> I like it.
1: We've oh, just created man. a new hashtag, the fungal factor. <laughs> Uh,
0: uh, all right. So causes.
1: Um, okay. So classic ones: overuse of antibiotics. So yep. anything that's just nuked your digestive tract, mm. or nuked anything in your body to the point where yeast has has then have has the chance to become opportunistic. Yeah. So antibiotics, any sort of chronic recurrent gastrointestinal infections or Mm -hmm. just ones that knock you for six and then Mm -hmm. obviously think about your system being completely wiped out and then whatever it's kind of like survival of the fittest and start to take up and take up and overgrow again so yeast yeast is a good one to just kind of go yay yeah
0: (laughs) it so is and i think it's good these days most or not most but a lot of gps even or even if you go to a chemist to get some antibiotics like a lot of the pharmacists are on it now to the yeah. point they'll be like, okay, if you're taking antibiotics, make sure you take, take a probiotic or yeah. take even some of them now are saying make sure you take Saccharomyces boulardii with it, which is awesome oh, to hear. Wow. I know, right? Yeah,
1: which is a yeast. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. true. <laughs> true. true, 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 But um, yeah, I think that's kind of cool. But yeah, I, I over. Overuse of antibiotics or just antibiotics in general, yeah. like well, probably the most, yeah. one of the most common Cause causes. Because how many,
1: how many women do you hear like, I take course of antibiotics, then I have to do something yeah. about my thrush.
0: Yeah. So. That classic like, I've got a UTI, I've got to take antibiotics, take antibiotics, I get thrush. Yeah. So common. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. As you said, gastrointestinal upsets and infections, um, diet's massive. Um, yeah. I think that's a big one that you see all around, but I think you see that a lot with guys. I definitely have a hypothesis that with guys in our culture – just beer drinking eating lots of carbohydrates sort of sugary dense All refined foods infected. and they get those bellies you know just like I know there's,
1: exactly Greg's got
0: a yeast pot I know <laughs> I know there's the alcohol component I know there's, heard this. there's there's a bit of extra fat that starts to cushion there but there is a bloating that occurs there and a lot of um guys that i definitely know around my age now are starting to say i can't handle beer anymore yeah you know i'm going to the pub having a couple of beers and my stomach blows up and i've got tummy pains like you know i just you can't you can't put aside the fact if you're having a high sugar high refined carbohydrate diet that you're basically providing all of the right fuel for yeast to thrive yeah so and then just
1: tipping in some beer on top of that (laughs) crazy
0: crazy (laughs) crazy so
1: yeah so (laughs) Booze is a big one. Sugar is a big one.
0: Yeah. And if you mix those all together, right, like mm-hmm. think of you go overseas um, and you pick up gastro, take some antibiotics, and while you're overseas, you're boozing it up in Thailand. Hello, yeah. yeast overgrowth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're overseas partying hard, drinking lots of booze, having lots of sex, pick up a UTI and have to take yeah, antibiotics, antibiotics again. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> yeast <laughs> overgrowth. <laughs> over- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Having lots of sex, pick up a new TI. This is a stock standard holiday. (laughs) Far out. So, yeah, yeah, so obviously there's a few recipes for disaster when it comes to yeast or growth. Sometimes it literally, um, we didn't talk about stress, but sometimes, and stress is obviously a bit of a given with the perfect cocktail of other components. So,
0: I'd say though it'd already be like it'll be a dormant factor. Like, I think yeast can be sitting dormantly and still be overgrown enough that if you put stress on top of that, yeah. that it will um, act, act up. It, yeah. And we'll see that with clients. Yeah. Like you've dropped things down to a point, but then if they go through a stressful phase and they'll yeah. get like a flare up at those symptoms. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We wanted to talk about treatment, but one of the other things, I don't know if we missed over it, is the testing. No, I didn't
1: put
0: it there. Did you? Did I jump past no, it? No, I didn't write
1: it there. Oh,
0: okay. All right. <laughs> I
1: did have it on something else. So I write it down, like, must write down testing, okay. and then I threw that in the bin.
0: Um. <laughs> so I guess with <laughs> testing, there's there's stool testing that we do use, but the testing, like, it's not as comprehensive or as specific. Like, it does... It does tend to pick yeast up and we do see that. We do see that they can actually grow the yeast from the stool specimen and then a lot of the times they can pick up the species. So we are Mm -hmm. seeing it, but it's not as easy um, as culturing as bacteria. So often with stool um, testing, it can be a little bit frustrating as a practitioner because you can see like from a case-taking point of view that there seems to be a yeast Going on, mm-hmm. but then the test from a stool point of view may not clarify that for you. Yeah, do you find that? I th- yeah, definitely sometimes. Yeah, yep. but I do think that definitely it's not as great for being as specific about no. the yeast or particularly nailing maybe the type of yeast. Yep. You might get an idea that there's definitely an over presence of yeast in the yep. stool, yeah but it may not be able to tell you the type. Yep. What I um, have liked using a bit more recently when i've talked a bit about it is the oats test there's a whole section in that that is a lot more specific for measuring the organic acids that are produced by the yeast and that tends to be really good too for picking up yeast and i'd say i've seen that pick up yeast better at times than the stool stool test Yeah. yeah but i guess what i want to bring up is there is testing There's, oh, yeah, yeah, there yeah. is always methods that we can go in and go okay is yeast an issue let's measure it let's see what are we dealing with and also can we retest if needed to yeah. see yeah. yeah yes that would be my uh yes. little rant that i wanted to give on the yes. testing yes. but as far as that um to finish off would be treatment and as always very, very individualised, so we're not going to go into lots of detail around that.
1: One thing I think I did want to bring up with this was just something, a question I've had from a lot of my, not a lot of my clients, but you know how we just seem to get like I call them our cluster questions and they kind of yep. do prompt a podcast a bit, but yes. something that I don't know if it's just something that's in the universe that's making people ask questions yep. or whatever, but I feel like in the last couple of weeks I've had a lot of running mm. questions about candida. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously because it does come up on stool tests and we definitely see the albicans and the proper proper, popular ones <laughs> and the crucii, crucii, whatever, those three. They're probably the most three that we see and yep. um, people will say, well, aren't we going to treat that? And in 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 essence, we do treat it with the kind of diets and things that we use. But mm. I think there's a lot of um, stuff that's happened over the years, especially back in the 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> but say like, so let's talk in the last sort of 15 years, pre-bacteria becoming such a big thing. Um, Where there was a lot of naturopathic treatments around for the treatment of candida. And these, and similar to some of the bacterial, antibacterial diets, they are freaking hardcore. Like we're talking three to six months of no sugar, no carbohydrates, like extreme starvation, Uh just to kind of starve starve off a lot of this candida overgrowth Uh and the yeast. With the theory in mind that once you've gotten rid of it, then Uh you bring all the foods back in. Personally, again, I think I'm not a huge fan uh, of those diets. I just uh, think I – we, I just don't see any much like long-term difference. Like uh, obviously I haven't been in practice for 30 years, uh, but I don't see as much long-term differences in the slow and gradual manipulation of gut bacteria yep. uh, and keeping a diet whole and balanced. I think yes. I personally think there's more from that. And restricting certain foods and lowering the intake of certain yep. foods and being mindful of things like, you know, too much yeast in the diet, too much yep. sugar, but – I think the really strict anti candida diets mm. kind of belong in the no. That I agree, <laughs> and I think
0: I think to clarify too, when you're talking about yeah. those strict diets, and you mentioned sugar and carbs, like you're talking about to the point of like people fruit. Come. We're talking certain even vegetables, vegetables. that like people aren't. I don't know, like your 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 beets and your carrots, carrots. and your pumpkin. Like it's yeah. it's so severe and so limited, and it comes to that playing is that whole food anxiety picture yeah. for people, yeah. but also it's so nutritionally depleted that it just sets up other issues and how do you provide the foundation for your body to heal when you're in a nutritionally depleted state so I I 100% agree and we're both passionate about this yes in the initial stages we will look at lowering and limiting certain types of foods that are really high fuel factors for yeast but our intention is to diversify the diet again mm. as soon and as quickly as possible into a, a healthy yep. type of diet. Of course, we're not talking light guzzling your beer on the weekend again <laughs> yeah. really quickly.
1: Three weeks of treatment, <laughs> go knock off a carton. you done. That's Thanks right. very much.
0: <laughs> but the other factor within that for me, and I know you're the same, is that um, there is that whole starvation concept of starving yeast. But as you start to feed a little bit more fuel back in for yeast or bacteria, mm. And while you're still doing treatment and taking the right things to get rid of or reduce the numbers, yeah. that fuel is really important because it starts to encourage them to come out a little bit because yeah. they're smart. They'll be like, okay, this environment sucks. There's no fuel around. We're just going to lay dormant.
1: Yeah, And which they can do. <laughs> and they'll do that.
0: But then if you start to allow a little bit more fuel back into the diet, they'll be like, yes, awesome, and start to come forward. Which means if you're still taking the right sort of supplementation, you can go in and then get rid of those too. So Mm. I think there's a really important place for utilising the starches and the natural sugars in a really diverse diet as Mm. you move through a protocol.
1: And keeping in mind, too, that these starches and sugars are not only the fuel source for yeast, they're also the fuel source for other types of bacteria. Exactly. And even healthy yeast in your gut or healthy yep. types of bacteria. So I think the long-term, you know, trying to starve any sort of population in your gut, for me, I just don't feel like it's mm. the way forward
0: in terms no, of gut not. health. Like it's not. It's like just... a horrible vicious cycle. Yeah. And we see that with long-term gut treatment and clients that come in that have been following severe protocols, whether on their own or with other... So practitioners and so forth and as we always say like they're trying to do the right thing but their yeah. their gut ecology is so limited because it's just been this kill kill die die mentality with yeah. these restrictive diets and they just get backed into a corner yeah um backed in symptom wise and um emotionally wise it's it's just a horrible place yeah. and to I, be and i think the
1: gut is such a balancing act it's more of you know like i think we were talking about this the other day and it's Again, if you guys could just see our little hand motions, but we're talking Mm. about how it's kind of like that—that seesaw pivotal thing, like where you're just balancing the the seesaw of you know the good. Mm. That you want the good guys winning the war, but then you're just kind of upping it a notch every, Mm. you know, all the time. So you kind—it's just more, you know, keeping things at in numbers where then you know they're not causing issues or health issues for Mm. our clients, but also keeping food in there at the same right balance so that you're feeding the good guys. Yeah. And building people up from a, you know, nutritional perspective. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I have a really good hand analogy, or you know, but you can't see. (laughs) (laughs) So it probably just didn't make any sense to anyone. (laughs) But anyway,
0: so yeah, I think. Oh, in as you always say, in a nutshell, our treatment. is always going to revolve around a dietary arm, um, which will be really specific and followed over a certain amount of weeks and will be monitored really carefully to make sure it's still nutritionally balanced. Um, and then there will be a supplement arm um, that will yeah. work from like an antifungal capacity, and that yeah. will be catered in regards to what species are we dealing with? Are we dealing with biofilm, etc.? Yeah. Um. There'll be a whole array of different things, so yeah. it's not just a simple like just take this random supplement and then mm. everyone goes on this diet. It's very individualized, which yeah. is the way it should be done.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Thank you, Jess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think that's pretty much it. If we missed anything? I don't anything think to so, No. 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 Hmm. I think it's a great topic and if anyone's got any questions about it um, or if they're going through treating... Hmm a yeast overgrowth themselves and they're like really frustrated and stuck and have any questions, you guys can contact us. Absolutely. We are always available. Uh, There's the email reception at
1: jessicacox.com.au. Touch base with us on our social media feeds.
0: Exactly. Yep. There's a little inquiry spot through the website pretty much. If you need to get a hold of us, there's lots of different ways. We're
1: very
0: accessible. (laughs) We are very accessible. Um, and and (laughs) as we always say too, we love to hear from you. So any feedback you guys have about the show, if there's any topics you'd like us to cover, we've got a big list. We are working our way through them, we promise. Yeah. Um, I know we've mentioned a few and we are getting there. We are
1: getting there. (laughs) It's just, yeah, some of them are a bit meatier than others and they obviously involve a bit of research. Oh, Um, I think we
0: also like to break it up, don't we? And we we do like to break it up. We like to give
1: you guys one that's a bit, you know, heavy and like brain warping just even though I don't think we try not to make it sound that way but yeah and then ones that are a bit lighter and just easier to understand
0: yeah for sure yes
1: anyway So
0: yes and lastly um head to iTunes and leave us a review we love seeing reviews there Mm. give us a rating share share yes share these episodes because um the more you share and the more you give us ratings the more other people find us yes and get to listen to us our beautiful
1: voices (laughs)
0: <laughs> Lucky them.
1: Lucky them, the Thursday rants.
0: <laughs> Alright, guys, we'll have a great weekend ahead. And we'll talk to you in a fortnight. Okay, bye now. Bye now.